Deception is everywhere in the world we live in. The truth, we're told, is relative in what you want it to be. They say, just think positively and what you desire will manifest itself. They say, don't let those negative thoughts stop all the positivity coming your way. The truth is, this is deception. And this deception is outside the church, but also within it. And if we're not careful, we get caught up into it, and destruction will follow. And much of this deception is rooted in the New Age philosophy, and it's rampant in the arts community. Howdy, disciples, and welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. My name is Kurt Matson, and I'm the host of the show. And on this episode, I am so thrilled to have as my guest, former New Age teacher and author, now saved by Christ, Doreen Virtue. Doreen was one of the biggest names in the New Age movement. However, the Holy Spirit worked in her heart, and she received Christ and came out of that movement in 2017. Doreen's story is so powerful, insightful, and it reflects how much the Lord loves men and women that are lost. When we not only get to hear Doreen's amazing story, but she helps equip us to minister the truth of Christ to those that we meet that are caught up in the new age. Get ready for an exciting episode as I sit down and visit with Doreen. Doreen Virtue, welcome to the Creator's Calling podcast. I'm so happy to be with you, Kurt. It is. I was so thrilled. You know, when when you we were able to, to get this together, the Lord just, just just put it together, and all the work that you're doing in our world today, I think, is so terribly important. And for a lot of for those of us that are in the arts and you know, and just really in the church dealing with some of the things that you've had experience with and how the Lord has worked in your life and to be better equipped to uh, to be able to minister to people, I think it's just such a wonderful thing. And the fact that you're there and you're able to, to speak right to what's going on right now in our world. It is a miracle. I mean, it's completely God's grace and mercy that I'm saved. Even more so because I thought I was a Christian, but I was definitely not a Christian now that I know the truth. <laughs> Now, let's start right there, Doreen. Uh, you've, uh, give us a little bit about your personal background, and then how did you come to the Lord? You know, your testimony, I, I read it, and it's, and then I watched the video and stuff. Um, it is just remarkable what the Lord said. And disciples, when you hear Doreen's story, it's like, boy, don't ever give up praying. Nobody is beyond the reach That's of right. the Lord. Your personal interests, where you were raised, things like that. And then how did you come to know the Lord, and how did all that kind of kind of fit together? Yeah, well, I was raised in a false religion. Uh, my mother was Christian science, and so was her mother and her mother. So I guess that wow. makes me fourth generation Christian science, which is neither Christian nor science. Um, but we didn't know that growing up because we were little kids, my brother and I. And it's it, it speaks to the creation order and also the biblical um, way that families are supposed to be raised. Because my father was Presbyterian, but he relinquished wow. the spiritual upbringing to my mother um, even though he knew it was an apostate religion because his own minister wouldn't marry them. And he oh. should have, that should have been a red flag. But anyway, he, he was very passive man, a loving, sweet man, but very passive to her. So it was a matriarchal family. And we were required to go to church twice a week. I was given a King James Bible as a little kid and required to read it, but was cherry pick reading it. And the King mm. James version, I just, I still can't get through it. I mean, it sounds great. Like I love <laughs> Psalm 23 in the King James voice, but uh, I just, it, it didn't make any sense to me. So I was just told in Sunday school and church that God is love. That's all we were told, that we were made in his image and likeness. Genesis 3 was a myth. There was no fall. Um, only what God makes is good. So therefore we were good. Uh, the idea of sin was just a error in thinking and it was just uh, fear-based thought. 
and real new age, you can recognize. Wow. And, wow. and we were not allowed to ever talk about problems ever growing up. Never. No negative talk ever. So my brother and I, you know, we, we didn't do so well stepping down all those feelings. Um, and then my, my mother became the, what's called the second reader of the Christian Science Church, was, which is the equivalent of an assistant pa- or associate pastor. Okay. So she was at the pulpit every Sunday. So then I was like a preacher's kid. And, and of course, I believe in 1 Timothy 2.12 that women are not to be preaching to from the pulpit to a mixed audience. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was raised in a religion that was made by a woman. Chris, um, Christian Science was from Mary Baker Eddy. And then my mother being like a pastor of that church. So I became a feminist in addition to being a heretic. And it just, it was a horrible mixture. Um, I went to Chapman University and earned a BA and MA in psychology. I'm sure I was trying to figure myself out. Mm -hmm. And I became a psychotherapist for many years, specializing in eating disorders and other addictions and trauma backgrounds. And, uh, and then um, I just, I got published through that through a company called Hay House run by Louise Hay. And I started touring with like all the famous New Agers. I'm not name dropping, but just to give context, um, Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Marion Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, you know, the, the couple that wrote the Celestine Prophecy. These were people I was hanging out with every single week and touring around the world with. And, and as I was in Hay House, I, I started kind of morphing from psychology and metaphysics, which is what Christian science is, to new age, because we were we would be at these mind, body, spirit festivals every other week called the Whole Life Expo. You might remember them. And they'd be in convention centers around North America. And and the Whole Life Expo was teachers like us, inspirational new age teachers. And then there'd be all these booths selling new age wares like crystals and yoga sessions and Reiki sessions and literal pyramids you could buy to put on your head and tie-dye clothes. And and I was so fascinated by all that, Kurt, that I would walk around those booths and I'm a researcher. So I would ask each of the booth operators, you know, teach me what you're doing here. And I started to learn about chakras for the first time. And and then I learned enough where I started teaching others about chakra. And then I wrote a book about chakras. And it was basically me learning different new age modalities. And then um, getting to the point where I could teach and write about them. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon, I, I kind of switched from Christian science to new age with some psychology in there. And it, it just, it was not a good mixture. But the devil took advantage of it because um, it, it seemed so sweet and innocent. And lots of people were following me um, instead of following Jesus, including some professing Christians who didn't know the Bible and were trying to mix my work with Christianity. And I told everyone I was a Christian because that's what I, that we're Christians, we're Christian scientists. And I wore a you know, cross around my neck and I used the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I put in there Archangel Michael in more of a Catholic way. Because uh-huh. I didn't know the Bible enough to know that Archangel Michael, he's just in Revelation and Daniel, and he's not who the Catholics say he is. He's not some, you know, spirit guide you can call on for protection at right. willy-nilly. Right. But but so I, I was calling on him and then and teaching all this. And I am not bragging here. This is actually something I'm deeply ashamed of. Right before I was saved, I was statistically the top selling new age author in the world because I was cranking out these new age books, sometimes three to four a a year. I think I had 70 books and cards by the time I was saved. And tragically, some of them are still out there. I can't, I it's, they're not, they're not self-published or I could just immediately recall them all. Mm -hmm. They've been licensed around the world. And it's, I've been told that I have to wait for the licenses to expire um, and so other people are still selling them and using them. The only blessing in that, though, you know, because Romans eight twenty eight, right? God can right. use all things for good. Is that people write to me every single day because they're using my new age products and they don't know I'm saved yet because they're not in that world. And so they write to me asking me a new age question and I'm able to share the gospel with them. And so I'm on. Yeah. Through Instagram messages, I'm on there every single day answering letters. 
And at first, when I was saved, the people were so mad at me. But now it's really switched where it's people saying, hey, I'm being called out of the new age too. You know, what, what should I do? And so I'm able to kind of disciple and equip them and point them to a solid church and, of course, daily Bible reading and, and other necessities. And, uh, and so there's been some real fruit from all this tragedy. Yeah, well, you know, what is so exciting about that, Doreen, is just what you said, how the Lord has turned it. You know, Romans 8.28 applies. Mm-hmm. And no matter where, um, you know, where somebody comes from, how he can just use you. And he's put you in such a great spot, even yeah. though these things are still out there. You are so, uh, you know, I tell you, when I read all that you've accomplished and how much, like when you say you're a researcher, boy, it sure looks, I mean, it's obvious, uh, all that you've gone and learn biblically to be able to really carry out your ministry and to, to point people right to Christ and right in, in ways that, that, you know, they can get a hold of it and understand it. That's, that's quite a compliment. All glory to God, of course. It's just, I, I didn't deserve to be saved. I mean, I, I should have gone to hell for teaching people things that were so unbiblical. And I was teaching the new age Jesus who in the new age terms, Jesus was just a mortal man. That's what he, was taught to be uh, in Christian science, that he was a created mm-hmm. being, you know, blasphemy. And so I would teach people that blasphemy, that Jesus really did live. He was a teacher, you know, a healer, and he ta- was teaching us all how to be like him, which is true, but not in the biblical sense. Mm-hmm. You know, we are in our sanctification to be more Christ-like. But I literally thought that we could, you know, walk on water and raise the dead and, and all the things that Jesus did. And we can't. <laughs> we're not, yeah. We're not. We're not Jesus. Um, we're not the creator. I thought we could co-create with God until I read the Book of Job, and I was very humbled. <laughs> God said, <laughs> "Where were you when I created the foundations of this earth? Where were you when I made the oceans and the stars?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I can't co-create those things." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> but, oh, that... but I was just you know, barreling around along at a hundred miles an hour, being a heretic and a blasphemer and, and all the, you know, breaking every other commandments. And, and I, I didn't know because I had cherry picked the Bible growing up enough to think that I knew the Bible mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't know the Bible at all. You can't know any book unless you read the whole thing. You can't know a movie even unless you watch the whole movie. It's just, I don't, it was so arrogant of me to think that, that I could have known this, what, who God was, who Jesus was, without reading God's inerrant, sufficient word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that all come into play? I know, now, I think it was during the, your video, uh, you talked about that you had had visions of Christ, but then suddenly something, there was a vision of Christ, and then you had an encounter of some kind. And how did all, how did you, how did, what happened all in there that brought you to the Lord? Well, it's a sanctification process, right? I wish I could say it was, you know, Thursday, April 9th, boom, yeah. I was saved. Yeah. And theological sound. No, it was a process. <laughs> it still is. Um, in January of 2015, because I thought I was a Christian, I, I, I called myself an open-minded Christian. I thought I was like the co- coexist bumper sticker, Kurt. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. I thought I was a universalist. I thought all paths lead to God. We're just using different language. So I would listen to on the radio, I'd listen to Christian pastors, I would listen to Hindu gurus and Buddhists, and I would listen to Celtic goddess you know, people and, and shaman. I was listening to them all and reading them wow. all. And, and just, I was a student of world religion. So one day I was driving in January 2015, I was listening like I always did to Alistair Begg mm-hmm. on Christian Satellite Network. And he was talking about second timothy 4 that in the end times people will watching ears tickled by false doctrine by getting false hope and then he's describing the false teachers and it's like he's talking exactly about me and it it was the first time in my whole life and i was probably what 55 56 years old i'm 64 now and it was the first time that the holy spirit ever that i could feel the holy spirit's conviction my heart was so hard and calcified that I, I, it got to me. And so wow. I went home after listening to that. And I said to Michael, you know, we really need to go to church and not a new age church like we'd been going to. We need to go to a real church. And he's like, okay, let's go. Because he was new ager too. 
Oh, and, wow. and we didn't have any idea about denominations. So we just, we, we just were going through churches. We started at a Pentecostal four-score church where we took communion and said the sinner's prayer in, in violation of what, 1 Corinthians 11. I should not have taken the Lord's you know, supper because mm-hmm. I wasn't a believer at that point. Um, I thought if, you, if I was called a sinner that you were cussing at me and calling me a bad person. So I would always combat being told I was a sinner with cancel, clear, delete in my head. <laughs> that may be true for you, but not for me. I'm not a sinner because I, I hadn't watched a Ray Comfort video yet. You know, I didn't yeah. know that we're all or read Romans three twenty three that we're all sinners. Anyway, so we were going through churches and we we didn't know where to go. We ended up at an Episcopal church, a very, very extremely liberal Episcopal church. But you know what? In hindsight, maybe that's all we could handle then because mm-hmm. they had the most hospitality of any place I've been to since or before. I mean, Episcopalians have a reputation well-earned of being hospitable, which the Bible tells us to be. Mm-hmm. So you get warmly welcomed. Here's some food. What's your phone number? I'm going to come take you to coffee. And, you know, just just so, so much, you know, huggy, huggy kind of love. Mm-hmm. And so our pastor was a, a married gay man and our other pastor was a woman. So, and they were teaching, you know, things that, uh, I look back and they were not biblical, yeah. you know, a lot yeah. of it, but what happened was it started Michael and I reading the Bible there. And because we were reading the Bible, we were starting to see that, wait, <laughs> what I just read in the Bible is not what you're saying. pastor. <laughs> You know, we we love you and you're very loving, but this is not what you're teaching. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit was revealing to us God's uh, word and we were comparing. But on January 7th, 2017, so it's about two years after the Alistair Begg sermon had convicted me. Mm -hmm. I was at we were at a a Saturday afternoon uh, church service outside. And I saw this big light and. It, it, in my mind, it sure looked like Jesus. I, as you said, I'd been having Jesus visions since I was a kid. Also visions of angels and fairies and unicorns. I mean, just I had visions growing up. And it was demonic oppression because of being raised in such a demonic religion. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, oh, Jesus is here. And at the same time as I saw this vision, the gospel was revealed supernaturally to me. I mean, it was... It, it, it was like Second Corinthians says the veil, yes, where the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, and the God of this world, the Satan, blinds people to the gospel. It was like the veil just went, whoop, and all of a sudden, I just knew that Jesus really is the Son of God who really did die for our sins, and that the Bible is real. It's really God's word, and that um, I needed to get out of the New Age. And it was like, boom, I just knew the gospel was true. It sounds so basic to Christians, but it was a revelation to me at that moment. I just, I was floored. And I thought this vision brought that to me. Wow. But see, now I, but see, I got the gospel, but I wasn't saved yet Mm -hmm. because I continued to use tarot cards, but I was starting to mix. I have pictures of myself I can send you where I'm sitting on a chair and I've got a, a Bible next to me that I'm reading onto a video. And then I've got tarot cards in my hand. And I would be talking about Mercury retrograde and astrology, and all the new age things, you know, smudging my house, everything, all the multicultural appropriations that new agers do. And, and I was, so I wasn't saved. I didn't, still didn't know I was a sinner at all. I mean, I, I knew it intellectually, but not in no godly sorrow at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went through the year, that was January, and it was toward the end of the year, probably Oct- September, October 2017, where I was reading the Bible. I read Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. And that's what got me. That's, that's what saved me, Kurt, is that I read God's word, and it said that anyone who, use, who does divination through witchcraft mediumship, interpreting signs and omens, anyone doing those things Mm -hmm. is a detestable abomination to God. Not just the actions, but the people doing it. And I looked at that and I read it about three or four times. And I was 
broken because up until that point, because people told me that what I was doing was comforting and helpful mm-hmm. and healing, I thought I was doing God's work in the new age. I really thought God was pleased with me because so many people said that they were getting helped. When I read that, no, that's not true at all. It's the opposite, that I was a detestable abomination to God. I fell to my knees and I, I just started crying my eyes out. And I, and I kept saying, God, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Please, please forgive me. I don't know what I'm doing. Obviously, please take my life. Please, Lord Jesus Christ, be my savior. Forgive me and my sins. I was just repenting and begging God for forgiveness and to be, you know, given a new life and a new heart. And by his mercy, he did that. And mm-hmm. I threw all my tarot cards away. I stopped using them in my videos. I told everybody I was wrong. I'm still doing that because there's people who don't know yet. And please stop using my products. Don't give them away or sell them. Please burn them or throw them away so you don't deceive others. And, it, you know, I think we've all done that where we've admitted we were wrong. Mm-hmm. But but imagine admitting to the whole world because my my products were in 38 languages. Wow. I, I had been touring the whole world, um, giving workshops, you know, all in Africa and Asia and in all throughout Europe and um, Australia many times, just all around the whole Mexico, Canada, North America, everywhere. And so I had to tell the whole world I was wrong. And it was good because I was I had been a narcissist in the new age. Mm-hmm. And I it was so humbling. <laughs> to, was, we all need humbling. I was so humbled. And then people started hating on me. And my family got mad at me because we were making tons and tons and tons of money in the new age. We were mm-hmm. spending it faster than we could make it, like a rock star. But um, all the money was gone. So my family was like, like that Bernadette Peters in, in The Jerk. You know, what about the stuff? <laughs> we, we had to get rid of everything and and my husband had to go get a new job and then i have a, i have a part-time job um it's just it's been interesting so in the meantime i i i thought you know i've got to i got to know the bible because i had it opposite i had it wrong and and so i went to seminary and got a master's in biblical and theological studies um with straight a's i should add except for one b um wow. which which again, I'm not bragging, but it's part of my testimony because it's God's miracle to reveal his truth to me that way. Mm-hmm. That enough where I could write papers and these PhD seminary professors would hand it back and go, yep, good job. And I was like, wow, I understand the Bible now. Whoa, this feedback is, is showing me that, you know, God has revealed himself through his word and the Holy Spirit has allowed me to know God. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, uh, I can remember when you were when I first found out about just several years ago and you were still going through. I think you were finishing up uh, some of your studies and you uh, you put up a commentary. It was uh, D.A. Carson and uh, Greg Beale on uh, yeah. Old Testament use of the New Testament or New Testament use of the Old Testament. And I had been following it, and I thought, man, this gal knows what she's talking about. And I, I grabbed that. I bought a copy of that. For, oh, it's so good? Oh, it's just so good. Yeah. And uh, it was so interesting because you could see how solid, and I'll tell you, Dory, you know, it's, it is just so encouraging to me to see how when the Lord got a hold of you and then to see you just run with it. And really just say, okay, I really want to know that the Bible says, I want to know who the Lord is. I want to grow in that and just then be able to take that out and do, you know, it goes back to uh, 1 Timothy 4.16, you know, where Paul tells Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching persist in this. uh, And by so doing, you will save both yourself and others. And we have to do that. And you're really a living example. And it's so encouraging to me because it's like, man, you got saved and just ran with it and the lord's just been using you in such um really powerful ways as a result of that oh you're so kind well i'm very burdened that my old work is still out there and i keep giving the burden to the cross you know every Mm -hmm. day i know that jesus you know he, he took all of my sins and it was finished i know that um but just it hurts me so much to know that people are still using the old products and so i'm you know, I, I have no choice but to get out there and, and um, tell the biblical truth to people who are deceived in the new age. And, and also, like, you know how an ex-smoker can smell cigarette smoke? 
yes. real easy, more than a you know non-smoker. I can smell New Age deception in the church, and a lot of professing Christians can't. I'm like, can't you see this? <laughs> so I make these videos, like I just made the one of Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen comparing yes. him. Yeah, com- comparing him to this woman who's the kind of the inventor of the secret, Abraham Hicks. And I used to tour with her. Esther Hicks, I considered her a friend. She was really, really nice to me. But I had never gone to any of her workshops, and I had never read any of her books. Um, I hadn't even read The Secret that she was in or, or the movie she was in. So I didn't know her work. I just know she said she channeled this entity group named Abraham. And so when I was making this Joel Osteen video, it was my first time watching Esther Hicks' work. And I was floored at the heresy that she teaches people. And she's so popular because this entity group teaches people how to make money. And it's just, ah, she teaches them that they are God. She literally says, you are God, and that you can speak things into existence. And, And so then I compared that to Joel Osteen saying, you can speak things into existence. Mm-hmm. And I used to teach that. I was big into the law of attraction. And now looking back, I, the honest truth, anyone listening, I'm, re- I'm telling you the insider scoop because I was in the new age business and it's a business for 20, almost 25 years. The only people making money off of the law of attraction are those who are selling tickets or selling books or films to learn the law of attraction it's a pyramid scheme uh, you know so, wow um years ago i was in i got to and i i grew up in baptist church calvary chapel I'm, oh, a calvary wow. chapel I'm a calvary chapel pastor as well and so real solid my whole life and for about three years i got wrapped up with kenneth copeland i was just starting as an artist uh Got wrapped up with Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, all those guys, Fred Price, you know, those all these mm-hmm. famous climate guys. And as you're talking about, and I know when I listened to the video on Joel Osteen, the same thing, it was just resonating how uh, just so deceptive these people. And what you said is, I can remember going to a the Anaheim Convention Center, big thing with Kenneth Copeland and me and a friend went. And we drive up, and of course he'd been proclaiming prosperity to everybody. You know, all you know, you know the thing, and name it, claim it. And that parking lot was full of old, beat-up cars. Mm. And all I could think of is, why aren't these people all driving the Rolls's that little Kenneth Copeland? And that started, you know, uh, started me really questioning all of that. Sure. But um, this idea of the deception within the church, and then it, of course it's so widespread in the world. And you said something I think that's really important. You said you could sniff it out in the church uh, because of your involvement in it. Share with us some of the things when you look at the church today, where you see these new age influences. And for those, you know, those of us who don't know, what should we look for so that we can say, okay, you know, really let the Holy Spirit uh, use it in terms of using our discernment better and fine tuning it. Well, I, I tell you, it makes me want to cry at the level of deception the the devil has he's he has infiltrated many churches and he's done it um banking on us not knowing the bible that's how yeah. i was originally deceived um it goes back to acts Acts 17 the bereans who were listening to the apostle paul and at the same time comparing everything paul was saying to scripture and once they found that what paul was saying aligned with scripture then they could agree with him but mm-hmm. only for, they only did that after comparing everything to Scripture. We don't have a choice. We have to read the whole Bible. I know the Old Testament is challenging. The first time I read it, I was very upset at the rape and the incest and the animal sacrifice and the wars. I, because I, I had been raised that that's negative. And if you think something negative, you're going to manifest and attract something negative. So I didn't want to read that. But you, we have no choice to know God. We have to see the whole arc of the biblical theology of God's plan of redemption. And it starts in Genesis 1 and Genesis 3.15, where God promises this Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you can see it culminating in Revelation. And it's still ongoing till Jesus' return. So, and then once we read the whole Bible, we have to keep reading it and keep listening to it on audio and just stay in the word that's the only way to survive these days if we don't then the dangers in the church right now are the false jesus that's the number one 
um, danger. And it's come through this very popular book series called Jesus Calling. Oh, now tell us about that, Doreen. Okay, so there's a woman named Sarah Young who I'm convinced she doesn't know she's deceived, just like I didn't know I was deceived. I think she thinks she's doing good because it's a feel-good book. It makes you feel like you're a million bucks, like you're God's masterpiece, you're God's diamond, gosh darn it, you know, you're, you're doing great. And then she puts just scripture, book, and numbers at the bottom. She doesn't put the actual scripture. So you, you might read, oh, today... Jesus wants to hold your hand and he wants to tell you how wonderful you are. But she says it in Jesus's voice, supposedly. And then at the bottom, she'll put Matthew 18, one or Luke 24, three, but she doesn't actually say what's there. If someone took the time to actually open those scripture, they would say, wait, this is different than what Sarah Young says her Jesus is saying. So the first edition of, of Jesus calling Sarah Young said that she was, she wanted more than the Bible. And so she was inspired by a a literal occult metaphysical book called God Calling, in which these folks channeled God. (laughs) And no, they didn't, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and they contradicted God. And same with Jesus Calling. Sarah Young put that in her first book, that she, she thought that God Calling was a masterpiece, it inspired her. Then the Christian community got on her case. So miraculously, she took that out in the second printing. The Christian community who's smart, who's Bereans, also have gotten on her case because she's put things in there that her, her Jesus says that contradict what Jesus said in the Bible. So, so they write letters to her publisher. And miraculously, Jesus changes that in the next printing. And wow. it's, wow. you know, I'm being tongue in cheek, but it's very serious error. People reading that book, particularly women, are reading it like... Um, a love letter from Jesus, and it's not Jesus. It's the false Christ that he prophesied about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so along the same lines, the false Christ is coming through the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a personality test. And remember, I have a BA and MA in psychology, so I studied personality tests. And the Enneagram was brought to the world through a um, drug-using um, psychiatrist named Claudia Naranjo and George Gurdjieff, his associate, and they were in Eureka, Chile, and, and um, Claudia Naranjo used trance channeling, which he admits he would trance channel demons. I mean, his writing clearly says that he doesn't care that demons come through him. So Claudia Naranjo trance channeled the nine enneotypes of the Enneagram, Okay. Yeah. And they're wow. based on, on Carl Jung, who was a, um, and, and also uh, Gestalt. And so these, these occultists and the trans-channeling of the nine enneotypes has resulted in this personality test that has been popularized by professing Christians. So if you look at their theology, they're not biblical, like Richard Rohr mm-hmm. and, and Susan Sabeel and such. They have popularized the Enneagram in churches saying that it's a way for you to know yourself and improve your marriage. All of the new age tools are like Genesis three, where the serpent promised that you would get hidden knowledge and you would be like God. And God didn't really mean that with what he said to you. Just, just do this. You'll feel better. Um, And the Enneagram people point to its effects, you know, Oh, I've learned who I am, but it's, it's so vague. It's like astrology, you know, Oh, you're a Virgo because you're this way, you know, just, mm-hmm. it's, it's real vague stuff. And the Enneagram has no place in the church. It's, uh, it's absolute garbage. The third thing I'm seeing in the church is yoga, where people will call it Christian yoga, and they'll put scripture on top of it, and they'll use hymns on top of it, and they'll say, it's okay, you know, and they'll call me a legalist, <laughs> yeah. which legalism means you're you're saved by your works i never say that because that's not biblical mm-hmm. that what they mean by that and they call me a pharisee they mean that they want their christian liberty or christian freedom to do whatever they want so they're antinomianisms mm-hmm. antinomious which means that they believe there's no laws for today they just want to do what they want to do and until i point out that when you look at the church of satan that the first commandment of satanism is thou shalt do what thou wilt meaning you do whatever you want there's no Mm. rules 
And so it's Satanism to be an antinomist. And being a legalist is also a heresy. They're the two ditches on either side. I'm sure you've, uh, you know, done yep. speeches and um, sermons on that. And so we, we want to watch out for either ditch. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And, of course, he has the royal commandments, which are summaries of the Ten Commandments. They're still for today. Mm -hmm. Love God. People will say, okay, I'm loving God, and they think it's a feeling. They think it means the modern definition of love, inclusiveness, wokeness. No, love God in the Hebrew, which came from, you know, um, Exodus 20, uh, mm -hmm. verse 3. Love God means honor him, obey him, trust him. It doesn't mean love like the emotions. And yes. Jesus said that's the most important commandment. So how do we obey God? He says in there, we've got to study his word. We have to be in the word and study and compare. And if we do that, then everyone can smell the smoke of new age deception. Yeah. You know, boy, I'm, you really did a wonderful job there, Doreen, kind of breaking those things down. Uh, I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard Christians, they're going to their yoga class, Christian yoga class, or this yoga or that, that kind of thing. Of course, the Enneagram. Is, has gotten massive. I don't know. Uh, I know there for a while. It just seems like it was everywhere. Uh, and to, to be able to hear those nice, those definitions and where they came from, because not every, nobody's telling people this stuff. Nope. Um, no. They're, they're fact, trying, they're putting a picture, you know, a, a happy face on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're calling it love. And it's not. It's actually hatred because the devil just wants to take as many souls as he can to his lair, the hell. God yep. made hell for the devil and his fallen angels. And he didn't make it for people. But anyone who follows the devil, who's anyone who's not abiding in Christ, who's not born again, who's not adopted into God's family, will be going to hell unless they repent and, you know, and are in Christ. So I'm sounding the alarm. You're sounding the alarm. A lot of us are. And then we're called Pharisees. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, called, we're called legalists. But let's circle back to yoga, if we could, just for a second. Sure. Yeah. In context. So, so yoga as many people know, is a Hindu worship practice. In the Vedas, in Iyengar's book, um, you can see that each of the poses, the asanas, and I did yoga for 20 years, so I'm not an armchair philosopher here. Um, my best friend owned a yoga studio. And each of the poses is designed to replicate and worship a different Hindu deity or animal. And so it's, that's idolatry because the second commandment tells us not to make an image that's any kind of false god and mm -hmm. not to serve it or worship it. So when you do, let's just pick one yoga pose, okay? So everybody, even in a so-called Christian yoga class, does the sun salutation. And everyone knows that. You stand up and you're worshiping the sun with your hands and you bow down, uh, chaturanga, and then you do these three poses called warrior one, warrior two, warrior three. In Sanskrit, which is the Eastern language that yoga is rooted in, um, this, this three poses are called Virabhadrasana. And asana means pose. And Virabhadras is the pose as. So who's Virabhadras? Well, let's look at this. He's a Hindu deity. He's actually a Hindu demon because he was a murderer. And when you have your hands out, it's not a natural pose. It's not just stretching. It's not just exercise because it's unnatural to have your arms out as stiff and rigid as you do in Virabhadrasana. You are acting out the murder scene of Virabhadras. Wow. So you're, you're acting out a Hindu murder scene when you do warrior one, two, and three. So when people say to me, well, I just put scripture on top of that. And then I say to them, okay, let's take a Ouija board. Everyone knows a Ouija board is satanic. Even New Agers know that. Nobody wants a Ouija board. But let's put Bible verses on that Ouija board, shall we? And let's, let's play hymns while we're using the Ouija board. Then it's a Christian Ouija board, right? And they'll look at me like I have three heads. Of course, it's not a Christian yoga, uh, Ouija board. Well, it's the same with yoga. You can't plaster Christian scripture on top of a Hindu worship practice. You, you just can't. Even the, the Hindus in India think that it's crazy that Western professing Christians would do yoga. Wow. I have never heard that. 
Uh, that's something I'd have like no background at all. And that is just amazing, Dorian. Oh. I had no idea. It goes on and on. I, I'm on the process of making a video showing each of the regular poses. I mean, even the, the Shavasana, which is the end pose where you're laying down. It's like kindergarten on the mat. Mm -hmm. um, Shavasana means corpse pose, which should horrify anybody. Yeah. And in that corpse pose where you're, you're all open is when the yoga teacher will be leading you through a guided meditation. And often it's, you know, here's your spirit guide. They've got a gift for you. Look in your hand. What is it? And then they'll lead you through Sanskrit blasphemy. They'll lead you through namaste, which means the God within me recognizes and honors the God within you. So there's, you know, idolatry, self-glory, polytheism, take your pick. They'll lead you through Om, which is supposed to be the sound of the universe. So again, worshiping the creation instead of the creator just goes on and on with yoga. When The minute I was saved, I threw away my many, many yoga mats mm -hmm. and have not done it ever since. At first, when I was first saved, I was kind of like, well, maybe it could be redeemed. I no longer think yoga can be redeemed. I think you can do non-yoga stretching. And for anyone interested, I can point them to a free YouTube channel that has non-yoga stretching that is made by a former so-called holy yoga teacher who the Holy Spirit convicted. Oh, and she yeah. realized that you can't be a holy yoga teacher. There's no such thing. It's an oxymoron. Wow. You know, I've heard that word, that namaste, and I've seen it used in different contexts and stuff, but I had no idea that's what it meant. Oh, it's oh. complete blasphemy. Oh, yeah. Good grief. Oh, it's horrible. Wow. Well, oh, boy, that is so good. I'm so glad that you uh, you expanded on that, uh, Doreen, because that's something that so many people just view as so innocent. I know. I used to. I used to do it every day. Yeah. And, <sighs> and I did it. I did it for no, new age reasons because it opened my chakras and made me more psychic. You know, it's just garbage goals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so sometimes I get really upset, you know, with, and I have to admit, I get upset that I was saved so late in life. And I was like, I, it was interesting when in the nineties I used to, because I listened to Christian radio, you know, pretty much mm -hmm. my whole life. I listened to Chuck Smith in the nineties mm. and, and I was in Costa Mesa right there at the Calvary chapel. I, and I and they always had ads, you know, come to Calvary Chapel. And I keep thinking, why did I not go to Calvary Chapel in the 90s? Mm. I, why didn't I? But it's God is sovereign. That's and it's right. Actually, you know, he waited till I was almost 60 years old. And when you're 60, you stop caring. So mm -hmm. it gave me more boldness in Christ to speak the truth, even though it offends a lot of people. And yeah. then I get letters from people who say, I hated you when you were saying this, but now Jesus called me out too. So I understand you. And I'm so sorry. The things I said about you on social media, I oh, get those letters all the time. That is so good. Well, you know, and I love what you brought up there, Doreen, about the sovereignty of God and the moment of your salvation, you know, and you think about it just as you kind of reflect on that, all of those experiences that you've had up until that moment of salvation, he's using in ways that couldn't have happened had he not sovereignly said, I want you, you're going to go through this and then boom, I'm going to reach down and save you. And then we're going to turn this for good. And uh, there, it would have been an entirely different kind of ministry than what you have now. Yeah, indeed. I mean, his, his wisdom is evident everywhere you look. And it, I can see it in my salvation story, but he waited until I was at the peak of my career. And, and then I thought I was going to be that way the rest of my life, a new age teacher. I mean, I, I was set financially. My husband and I, we had a 50-acre ranch in Hawaii up in the mountains. And, you know, we had already made a will that after our death, all the animals would be taken care of until their deaths. And, you know, it just, it, it made no logical sense to be a born-again Christian. I, I thought I was an open-minded Christian. <laughs> I told mm -hmm. everybody that. And uh, I wasn't. A Christian is defined as someone who is working out their salvation with fear and trembling in a biblical way and has a biblical worldview and sees Jesus as their only Lord and Savior. And at that time, I was following not only my new age ascended master, spirit guide J Jesus, but I was following Kuan Yin and Buddhism and, um, you know, all these deities. And I thought Archangel Michael was equal with Jesus and all sorts of blasphemy. Mm, wow. You know, it's, uh, you are in, um, 
and we'll, we'll talk a little about it here in more in a minute as well. But uh, uh, such, you talk, you know, the reality, I, I tell everybody all the time, you know, that spiritual world is more real than anything material uh, that we can see. And if you go back and look at what first century Jews and in before you go and you well know this, uh, for them, the spiritual world was so very real to them. And we've lost an awful lot of that being moderns and uh, understanding just how real all of this is and the battles that go on around us. Uh, in this, the ministry that you have, what are some of the disciplines that you have, spiritual disciplines that strengthen you for your ministry and that would strengthen us as well? Bible reading obviously is right at the top of the list, it sounds like. And, Absolutely, yeah. Um, I have the, um, the, the, I don't know what you call it, decree, motto, uh, Bible before breakfast, um, word oh, yeah. before world. So I have my Bible on my nightstand with my glasses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> end of nightlight. And the first thing I do when I get up is I read a chapter. And this year, my Bible study program has been to read the four Gospels in different study Bibles. So I started oh. out reading the Reformation study Bible, and then I read the Charles Spurgeon study Bible. And now I'm in John MacArthur's study Bible. Even though he has different eschatology than me, I still think that he's got a lot to, to say. Mm -hmm. And then after this, I'll be in the ESV study Bible. So I'm reading the four Gospels just over and over and over again, reading the notes in the commentaries. And so I read a chapter a day, and then I get on my knees and repent daily, because we sin daily, and pray for you know my friends and family, and um, giving gratitude to God, of course, and glorifying God. And then um, and then I pray for inspiration of what I could say on social media that could be helpful um, and then just proceed to do that. Mm. My husband and I hold hands and say the Lord's Prayer as we're falling asleep. And then we listen to it, uh, a book, a whole book every night on an audio Bible as we're falling asleep. Oh, wow. There's some great insight there Doreen for really talk about saturating yourself with scripture well the spiritual warfare as you mentioned is real and when I was I had never experienced it before consciously I'm sure I had it um, but when I was saved it happened exactly at the moment of my salvation it was palpable Kurt there was this presence that was evil and demonic and very very malevolent uh, wanted me gone and I could feel people praying against me and such. And, and I couldn't sleep for probably three days um, wow. when I was first saved because it just it was, it was, I was just being attacked physically. So I first got involved with deliverance ministries, which would give me temporary relief mm -hmm. and, and such. And I would do the whole, you know, the secular thing, you know, where I would tell you the, I, I, it was like I was trying to be Jesus, telling the devil to go away, and that was dangerous. I didn't know what I was doing. Don't, don't try that at home, folks. So finally what I did is I studied what Jesus did with the devil in the wilderness and his temptation, and he quoted scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written as his way of combating uh, the devil. And, of course, James tells us to submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee. And so those were my two things that really helped with spiritual warfare. And because of that, we started listening to the Bible in the home and that calmed everything down just completely. Oh yeah. And of course we had to get rid of all of our new age things. My husband had these expensive crystal sound bowls. As I mentioned, I had the yoga mats, I had tarot cards, we had statues galore. We had to get rid of all of them. Uh, my crystals, which were idols to me, I got rid of, I mean, God made crystals but it's how they're used. Yeah. And I was using them in idolatrous ways, thinking they had special magical powers. If someone just looked at a crystal and said, oh, this is a beautiful creation of God, like a flower bouquet, no problem with that. Um, but I, I couldn't do that. I was like an alcoholic who needed to get rid of all the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I got rid of my crystals and anything new age, my mandalas, uh, just, just, just a lot of stuff. And it, and it was like the chapter Acts 19 where they're burning all of their millions of dollars with the stuff. It was yes. expensive stuff I was getting rid of and sentimental, some of them. And, and in the meantime, I'm still dealing with all this hate mail and people hating on me and I'm losing friends and family right and left. And 
and it was and then we had to move of course we couldn't afford hawaii anymore because my publisher fired me because they Mm -hmm. said that i would be offending witches with my christian work and they were publishing witchcraft books which were very lucrative so we had to scramble to find a place that my my not only me and my husband but we had my parents with us at that time they've passed since and michael's mother so we had to find a so we found this multi-generational home that had enough space for them and and then we couldn't afford that so we had to sell that and, um, it, it's just been quite the journey um, my life is in in on paper <laughs> doesn't look that good <laughs> but inside i finally found the peace that i was looking for and the truth i was looking for in the new age Wow. You know, uh, you know, going through that, uh, that whole litany of things uh, you just go, went through in terms of the cost of following Jesus and the, how, how real that cost is. Yeah. Um, and so many of us today, especially when you bring up uh, people like Joel Osteen, where they're giving you this this whole other thing that's all about you know, live your best life now and you're going to prosper. And that's not there's nothing scriptural about that. And too often as Christians, we have the idea too, and I see it you know, in the art community from the standpoint that people are afraid to be too bold about their faith because if you're an artist and you've got, if you're going to uh, talk about Christ to somebody, you could turn them off and you could lose a sale. Yeah. And there's, and whether it doesn't matter if it's fine art like I'm involved with or if it's in other things, uh, whether they're performing at different venues, all the rest of it. Uh, not having that boldness because there is a cost. And I think we have to go back to just what Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of Luke, that you don't start building a tower and then say, oh, I wonder if I can finish it. You know, you, you count the cost beforehand. Yes. And uh, there's a real cost to doing what you're doing that, that those of us who haven't been through everything that you have uh, don't know about. And I, I, it's so, uh, I think it's, it's impactful and it's encouraging not only to hear, yeah, there was a cost, but then to see what the Lord's doing as a result of that commitment that he that you've made and that he's just that he's moving through it all. Yeah, it, I totally agree with you. And in the art community, my heart goes out because I know since I was working with so many artists when I was in the new age with my cards, um, I would contract with artists to get the oh, artwork yeah. for the cards. And I know that um it's, it's a challenging profession, whether it's music or the arts, you know, the fine art like you do. Um, and so it's, it's easy to get tempted by the devil saying, hey, if you just do this, then you'll manifest abundance. But it's an illusion. It's a mirage. And I, I can tell you, this is not, again, armchair philosophy. I had it all materially. When I was a New Age um, teacher, we had the 50 Acre Ranch. Um, I shopped it you know, Rodeo Drive and Fifth Avenue and Milan for my designer clothes, spending way too much money. <laughs> and, and we were flown first class around the world um, and stayed in penthouse suites in the Four Seasons, hotels and uh, limousines everywhere. And my friends were very well-known A-list celebrities who would come to my house all the time and call me for advice. And, and so I had the, the, the lifestyle. I'd get standing ovations at all my workshops and people standing in line to get my autograph and I was on Oprah and CNN and the view. And, you know, so I had that lifestyle, but it, it was an illusion. It didn't give me peace. It didn't mm. satisfy me. I, I would get, come back to the hotel room after having given any room only a standing ovation workshop. And I would be like, I'm empty. What can I eat? <laughs> what oh, can yeah. I shop? I was just trying to fill this emptiness that only Jesus could fill. And sometimes I'd pull out the Gideon Bible in the hotel room, but I, I just, I, I, would, I couldn't get through it at that time. I wasn't praying for the Holy Spirit's illumination. Mm. And mm. I know it's hard to share the gospel. I know that it's, it's still hard for me. Um, but Jesus says, if anyone's ashamed of me and doesn't, you know, is ashamed of me, that he will be ashamed of us. He says that twice. Yeah. In, in the Synoptic Gospels. And that's scary to me. <laughs> he, <laughs> says, he says that a lot of us will get to him at the end of our life and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And he'll say, away from me, you workers of inequity. I never knew you. Yeah. So right. we, we're working out our afterlife right now. And, and also, we don't know when our friends are going to die. It could be tomorrow. 
could be yes. five minutes from now. And how will we feel if they died without hearing the gospel, which we're commanded to share with everyone that mm -hmm. Jesus died for our sins? How will, you know, that's not loving. That's not loving our neighbors to not tell them the, the spiritual truth. It may offend them because the gospel is super offensive to know that you're a sinner in need of a savior. But when you tell them, it plants a seed. And it's not up to us to save people. The Holy Spirit does that, but we are to plant the seeds for his kingdom. Boy, that's so right on. That is so right on, Doreen. I love, I love that. Uh, you know, when we have, because when we go to these different shows, all of the, the different artists from the arts, when we come across somebody who's wrapped up in the new age, these, some of these practices and stuff, uh, what, and we have that open door to witness of them to them. Uh, what should we keep in mind to be able, is there some to just to be able to minister to them? Uh, uh, how, what's a, what's a, a good ways of kind of, so we know, kind of know going in what they're looking at and how, how can yeah. we witness Jesus better? Well, first of all, just be armed with this knowledge that they think they're following Jesus. Most of them. And it's the, it's the spirit guide. If you ever saw the Flintstones, the, that little spirit guide he had, that's who they think Jesus is. And, they, and then they also think they have a superior way, that they're a, awakened. And so the New Agers are going to try and witness back to you. They're going to try and evangelize you as the way of peace is the New Age. Okay? Mm -hmm. So just be armed with that. Uh, second, know that the New Ager has been trained by the devil to block out anything that they consider to be negative and they think the gospel is negative. They've also been trained by the devil in the new age to think the Bible has been tampered with by Constantine and the Roman Catholic church, which is historically impossible <laughs> because the Bible's canon was closed before Constantine was even there, you know, before mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic church was the church. But the, the new ager has been so Teflon coded by the devil against the gospel and, and yet the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? Mm -hmm. And how will they know unless they hear? And the, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who deliver the good news. So, so it doesn't make logical sense that we could help them. But here's the way to get to a new ager. New agers love to be prayed over. They think it's like a spa treatment, okay? Okay. And so you listen to the new ager and you hear a problem that they might be willing to admit. Now, again... The devil tells us not to be negative in the new age. So they may not even, they might say, oh, I'm perfect. I'm whole and complete. Everything's fine. But if you listen to them long enough, you'll hear something. You know, maybe they need some money. Maybe they're having problems at home. Maybe they've got a health issue or they need a new car. Just listen for it and just say, can I pray with you? Yeah, sure. And so you then, you, you know, close your eyes, put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hand. And just start to pray for them. Um, dear Lord, we thank you so much that Chloe is here with me today. And I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to pray with Chloe. We know that your word says that the prayers of the righteous are effectual. And, and we just know that um, as we're coming to you through Jesus now, that you are hearing our prayer. We thank you so much, Lord, that you've sent your son to earth, fully God and fully man, through a virgin who was willing to be the perfect lamb sacrifice for the sins taking the wrath that we all deserve every one of us for the sins that we've all done thank you lord that you raised jesus from the dead three days later and that he's now sitting at your right hand and that he will return to judge us all and that unless we are in christ abiding in christ we will all receive the wrath that we deserve for our sins thank you lord so much for your word, your inerrant, sufficient, God-breathed word that tells us the truth that we're all seeking. And we say these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. And of course, you add in Chloe's issue that she's gotten there. And you know, we pray that you would have your hand on her, that you would lift her up, Lord, um, speak your truth into her heart, soften mm -hmm. her heart, make it teachable. Just put the whole gospel into the prayer. Chloe's going to be have her defenses down when you're praying with her. Now, I have been accused that that's manip manipulative, but I'm telling you, it's sharing the gospel in a way that the New Age can hear. And it's, yes. not, a gimmick. it's not a gimmick because it's, it's sharing the gospel. Yes. You're, not, you're not sugarcoating the gospel like false seeker-friendly preachers do. You're telling the whole gospel, but you're putting in the context of that Chloe needs something. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, that's so helpful, Doreen. I can't tell you. Um, 
that's really wonderful. That's, it's a, uh, yeah, that and praying for them, of course. People after I was saved came to me by the droves and said, I prayed for you, I prayed for you, I prayed for you. And I was like, gosh, thank you so much for praying for me, even when I didn't deserve it, yeah. even when I was a wretched, narcissistic heretic. You guys prayed for me and it worked. Thank you. Wow. God saved me. And wow. so I say that all these false teachers that we get mad at, pray for them. If I can be saved, anybody can be saved. That's, oh boy, that's so good. I love that. Do, what resources do you have that help equip us that we can watch that you could, that you have books or anything like that? Um, it's interesting. I was so prolific in the new age and I haven't been <laughs> since I was saved. Um, but right after I was saved, Thomas Nelson came to me and said, we want to publish your testimony. And so they did in a book called Deceived No More, how Jesus led me out of the new age and into his word. Mm -hmm. Now, the book, I was just starting seminary. I think it's pretty theologically sound. In fact, one of my, my Bible study teacher recently read the book and she said it was sound. The only part that I cringe at is in chapter nine. I, I wrote about that vision I had on January 7th, 2017. Mm -hmm. I've since realized that that could not have been Jesus because I wasn't saved then. So now I know it was spiritual warfare that the gospel was being revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, like a tug of war, um, I had one more demonic vision pretending to be Jesus at that same simultaneous time. And at that time, when I was at the Episcopal Church before I was saved, I was thinking of becoming like a Bethel prophetess. That was mm. really, that was, I was lined up to take a certified prophet course mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which is so stupid the holy spirit distributes spiritual gifts at his will not according to us spending money on a so-called certificate yeah. but I, I think that the vision of so-called jesus at that time was to lead me to bethel to be a prophetess and i'm sure they would have loved me with my following and you know people would have said oh look at she's channeling god um but after after that, I instead of going that direction, I just read the Bible. And that's what led me to God's word, which ultimately led to my salvation a few months later. Wow. And it was genuine salvation because I had godly sorrow and, and true repentance then. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that that's got to be a, a good read. And then you're doing your videos as well on YouTube. You have your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, um, Doreen Virtue 4, F-O-R, Jesus, is my YouTube channel. And I do videos inconsistently as much as I can, um, inter mostly interviews. I'd love to interview you, Kurt, um, with pastors and theologians and then testimony videos of people who came out of deception like me. And, mm. and then I do some one-on-one -on -one videos. Like today I did one on fairies, which I was really big into mm. in the New Age and uh, just kind of apologizing for my past teachings and then showing the biblical view of those teachings. Okay, great. Because that's, all Disciples, it, Doreen's work is so good. I've watched uh, several of those videos, and they're they're very good. Thank you. Uh, very, I mean, they're really right on. Um, what's a final word of encouragement you have for, for those that are listening, Doreen? Well, this is an evil world. I think that even New Agers who are determined to stay positive can see the evil in the world. You know, you can see just there's, there's people in the world who are very selfish and who are destructive and hurting people and hurting the planet. And, and so more than ever now, um, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. He, he did not give us that information, but he did say, that like you can watch a tree turning its leaves and know that it's almost summer, mm -hmm. uh, that there's a lot going on that's been prophesied that points to his return. Mm -hmm. could be in our lifetime. It could be three lifetimes from now. But he did say this. He said to be prepared for his imminent return at all times. And so today is the day of salvation. If you are getting called by Jesus, congratulations. It's the highest honor of them all. Um, don't waver. Don't wait another day. Run into his arms. Nothing in this world is worth waiting for your salvation. It is the pearl of great price that's worth picking up your cross and selling everything. And not he's not telling you to be a pauper to be saved by any means. Mm -hmm. But he's telling you he will meet your needs as believers. 
And he's done that with Michael and I. Michael got a great job that pays our bills. I got a great part-time job that pays the bills. And, and you know, we're comfortable. We're not lifestyles of the rich and famous anymore like we were as New Agers. But we didn't, that none of that stuff made us happy. Mm-hmm. Fame and fortune do not make you happy. Believe me. Um, and so just trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on him instead of your own understanding. And he will make your straight, your path straight. Mm-hmm. That's really good. How could we pray for you? Dora? Well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate prayers more than anything, but what I'd really like prayers for is my families, particularly my sons, um, Charles and Grant, who are still in the new age and who are very angry with me because of my proclamations against the new age. And, you know, we, I basically gave away the family fortune by becoming a Christian. Hmm. So I'd love prayers for their hearts to be softened and teachable, just like people prayed for me. Um, I would love nothing more than to see my son saved. That's my big prayer. And also to pray that people would stop using my old products and would all come to the Lord. Super. Okay, disciples, we've got our prayer request so we can take it right to the Lord. That's for sure. That's great. How can we keep in touch with you, Doreen? We've got your, your uh, YouTube uh, channel. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and, and the YouTube channel has the comments turned off, which it has been even when I was a New Age teacher, because it's just me. I do. It's a single-handed operation. I, do I understand. The, <laughs> yeah, I do all the editing and filming. And I don't have an assistant of any kind. Um, so what, what I, what I do though, is I answer Instagram messages as many as I can a day, um, unless someone's hateful, then I don't answer, but you know, if people disagree with me, there's a nice way to say it. Um, Mm -hmm. please write me. I'm happy to engage with people who disagree with me. As long as you're kind, I'll be kind back with you and, uh, just write me there. And if I don't write back right away, write again. So it'll pop up to the top. Mm. Super. I'm sure one of one thing, Doreen, this audience is going to love everything that you brought. You won't be getting any hate mail from out. You're going to be, they're going to be so blessed. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to go over all of this, to hear your testimony, to, to see what the Lord's done. I mean, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's so encouraging. It's like, I won't sleep tonight because I'm going to be so excited. It's, um, Really great. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you and your listeners, Kurt. God bless you, brother. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you, Wendy, for your work in the ministry. And, and um, you know, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. Keep our eyes on the cross. That's it. Boy, you're right on that. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now, don't forget to share the podcast all this stuff that Doreen, it's just so good. Get that word out to people. And if you can, write a review on that. What that'll do is help to get the podcast seen by more people as well and rate it as well. Now, you can keep in touch with me on Instagram or on Gab at The Creator's Calling. The music on the podcast is by Chris Matson, and you can keep in touch with him on Instagram and YouTube at Chris Matson Worship. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And please, Join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for the Creator's calling. Bye for now.